I'm sure that we all have heroes in life. People like Joni Erickson Tata, who at the age of 16 uh, dove into the water and became a paraplegic. And, and over the course of her life, God has used her in a unique way despite her weaknesses and despite her limitations. What about people like Jackie Joyner Kersey, who had polio at a very, very young age, and she overcame the polio and became an Olympic medal winner? Some of you within the Christian community may know of John Bunyan. While he was in prison for his faith, John Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress while he was in prison for his faith. God used him in a unique way. And, and when you think of some of the songs that we sing, some of the musicians that we have, out of the great depth of despair and the difficulty and challenges of life, they come together with lyrics and song that, that speak to our hearts and speak to our souls in and, and, and mighty, mighty ways. Have you ever considered that the possibility, that the limitation and the handicap that you have could be the key to your usefulness and your service for Christ? You ever thought about the weakness, the limitation, the handicap that you may have that seems to hold you back in your relationship with Christ? That that actually may be the key to God using you in a way that's unique and entirely different than what you would think or imagine. And the reason I ask the question is because in, in our text this morning, the Apostle Paul, the great, the mighty, powerful Apostle Paul, who wrote many books in the New Testament, was confronted with a thorn in the flesh. He was confronted with something that became a limitation in his life, that became a weakness in his life. It actually became a problem in his life, where he beseeched our Lord, 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 will you get rid of this thing from me? And Jesus responded to him, is what we find in our, our series about grace, that, that God wants to give us and pour out his grace to us in the midst of our pain and suffering, in the midst of the limitations that we have. This is what Jesus told Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says this, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In our weaknesses, in our limitations, in the challenges that we may see, feel, and experience, God actually wants to use those in a powerful way. And Paul will actually make the application of that. In verse 10 where he says this, For when I am weak, I am strong. What Paul teaches us in this passage is that, that every person, every believer can glory in their weaknesses. Why? Because when we are weak, God's power is fused in us through the Spirit of God who lives inside of us, through the Word of God, so that we may honor and glorify Him in a way that you cannot think or imagine. That's what the text reminds us of this morning. You know, we're currently in a series on God's grace. His grace is enough. And I, I've, I've likened it to this. One word that can radically change your life is this idea of grace. God's grace will radically change who you are as a person. And we began by looking at some words from Peter that said, grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. In other words, we're to grow in grace. As I grow in grace, hopefully I will grow in the grace that is given to other people. I'm going to be a changed person. We saw that we enter a relationship, not by the things that we do, but we actually enter into a relationship with the Creator God through our faith. And the Bible says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. We have a relationship with the Creator God simply by trusting in who He is and what He's done for us. I don't have to work for my salvation. I rest in the grace of God. 
In Titus, we looked at grace transforms us. It transforms our heart, hearts. It transforms our mind. It transforms how we're to act. Grace transforms us, and it actually teaches us how to live in a world that's kind of gone mad. God's grace teaches us. Last week, we saw that Jesus transforms us in the way that we view our stewardship. The things that have been entrusted to us, our time and our talent and treasure, all of those things have been trusted to us. And because they've been transformed, what we want to do is we want to hang on to those things a little bit loosely. And we want to be people who give of our time, talent and treasure because God wants to do that in our life. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse eight says this. And God is able to make all grace abound. All grace abound. To you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in good work. God wants to bless you. He wants his grace to abound in your life at all times, all kinds of circumstances, so that you can then be a conduit of God's grace to other people. I, I had a conversation a week and a half ago with a friend of mine. He's a business over, and he doesn't attend our church, but he faithfully supports the ministries here at Hope Church. And he simply said this, Clint, God has blessed me in such a way, all I want to do is to be able to give that out to other people again. And that's what he's talking about. God blesses us so that we can abound in good work, so that we can then bless other people. God's grace is absolutely amazing and incredible, and it's enough for us. And so as we continue through this series of God's grace, I want to invite you to turn your Bible, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It's a very personal testimony from the Apostle Paul about something that happened in his life and how God actually used what had happened in his life to put him in a place of dependence upon him so that God could infuse his grace to him so that he would be honored, God would be honored and glorified. So hear the word of the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 says this. To keep me from being conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. Why? For when I am weak, then I am strong. And no matter what you are going through this morning, what, no matter what hardship, limitation, weakness you may be going through, that may be the tool that God is going to use to honor and glorify him as he works his power through the spirit of God in you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather this morning to sing and to celebrate your goodness. Father, thank you that you are our Abba Father. And we thank you for the great privilege we have of being adopted into your family as your children. And Father, we hallow your name. Our Father who art in heaven, we want to hallow your name. We want to reverence your name. We want to honor and glorify you as our Father. And so, Father, we come to our text this morning and we open our minds, our hearts, our Bibles to you that you would speak to us through your word, through the Spirit of God, so that we can have the strength to honor you. 
And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So the way that I want to approach the text this morning is this. Whenever we go through a difficulty, whenever we go through a challenge, whenever we go through something really hard, we have to, a tendency to ask if only quite. Well, if, if only this wouldn't have happened. If, if, if only I were a little bit more different. And if, I, if, if I didn't have these limitations. or If only God would use me despite what I'm going through in my life. If, if only. We have... All of these if-only questions. So, so what I want to do is I want to, I want to walk through this passage using some if-only statements from Paul's life and then see what we can learn from them. So, so let's begin in verse 7. Paul has this idea of if this only, I, I would like it this, if, if only this didn't happen to me. Notice what he says in verse 7. To keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing great revelations, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. What I would say is this, life happens. Life happens. You get the phone call. You get the email. Something happens. Something happens in your life, and all of a sudden there's hardship, there's difficulty, there's challenges in your life. We're suffering in some way. And what's interesting is when you look at this letter, 2 Corinthians, when you go back to the very beginning, Paul begins to remind the people about the nature and the character of who God is. In uh, chapter 1, verse 3, Paul says this, that God is the father of compassion and the father of all comfort. Why, why would he begin the letter that way? Because woven in and throughout this letter is that we're going to see is Paul is suffering. Paul has gone through some really, really deep waters. He's suffering in a great, mighty, powerful way that's caused him to have some weaknesses, that's caused him to have some limitations, if you will. Maybe like what you could be going through this morning. And, and according to Paul in verse 4 of this chapter, this suffering that he's experiencing right there came as a, as a, a part of an experience that he had. God actually took him to the third heaven. He went up to the third heaven and, and he saw and he experienced things that he could not really imagine, things that he couldn't express to other people. That's kind of the context of what's happened here. He was given a vision of, of people like Isaiah would see and, and Ezekiel would see, this wonderful vision of the throne room of God. It was such an incredible experience. He didn't even know if he's in the body or out of the body. But he was, had this wonderful, powerful experience of, of seeing God in a wonderful, mighty, and powerful way. And it was out of this glorious experience that he had that he was given a, a thorn in the flesh. God shows him heaven, and then God shows him pain. In this case, a thorn in the flesh, messenger of Satan. Now, there's been a lot written about what the thorn in the flesh is. Um, I'll, I'll briefly touch on them. But a thorn basically was, it has the idea of a, of a stake or a spear. Or it has the idea of a tent peg. You know, if, if you're putting up a tent, you take the, you take the, the peg out and you take the cords and, and you hammer that stake in. And the reason you do that is because you want to make that stake secure. Uh, you want to make the cord secure. You want to make the tent secure. And, and that's the idea. It has this idea of stake that's been in, put in his body and it's a painful kind of thing. And so some people looking at what this thorn in the flesh may be, it says, well, may, maybe it's a spiritual weakness. Maybe, maybe Paul is having this struggle with sin, and maybe that's actually what it is, that he's having some spiritual challenges on the inside, and maybe that's what he's talking about here. I, I doubt it in light of all of the other things that he's talking about here. Some people think it's emotional, maybe vulnerability. Maybe, maybe he has anxiety or depression. Maybe through all of the different things that he's experienced, maybe he's just a little bit gun-shy. Maybe he's prone to... Depression, if you will, like some of the, the Old Testament prophets. Others think that this false 
uh, the, the, this, this thorn in the flesh. It was, it was a messenger of Satan. Now, maybe it was a person. Maybe it's a false prophet or a false teacher that had actually come in his life, hindering his ministry at Corinth. Maybe it's something like that. I take it to, to believe that, that it has to be something physical. This idea of, of, of a thorn in the flesh, if you will. Something physical. Maybe it's an impediment that he's going through. Maybe there's a, a stomach ailment. We know they had problems with his eyes. Sometimes he, he couldn't see. Maybe there's some other thing going on. And with the physical disability that he had, there was some emotional attachment to it. Listen, when you've been affected physically in some way, there's going to affect you emotionally, maybe psychologically, maybe in some other way. So there's no doubt that what he was going through here was, was hurtful, it was hard, it was difficult, it was challenging in his life. And, and maybe the reason we don't know what it is is so that we don't identify it specifically. And for those of us, those of you who are suffering in a very difficult and challenging maybe we can identify with his pain and suffering since we don't know exactly what it is. And so what Paul is doing, we have the scriptures here unfolded to us so that we can respond in a way applicable to our own lives. Maybe you're there this morning. Maybe you are facing some kind of limitation. Maybe you're facing some kind of hardship. Maybe you're going through something really, really difficult. And maybe you think in your mind, what it's doing is it's hindering my relationship with the Lord. And maybe you're sitting there, maybe like Paul saying, well, you know, if this would have happened to me, my life would have been entirely different. I could do this. I could serve. I could, I could live my life in an entirely different way if only this didn't happen to me. See, I think we have a tendency to say those things in our life when difficulties and challenges and hardships come. God, if only this didn't happen to me, if only I was different in this way, if only I thought differently, if only I was this. Notice Paul's response in verse 7. Paul's response looks to the face of God. He looks to the character of God. You know, the, the song that we sang, there was an interesting line, the wind and waves, what was it, know your name? Is that the line? The wind and waves, isn't that interesting? The wind and waves know your name. God is absolutely sovereign in our lives. God is absolutely in control. God is our heavenly father. He knows and sees. Verse 7 says this, there was given to me. Notice the text doesn't say there was inflicted upon me or there was imposed upon me. It says there was given to me. In other words, we can find strength knowing that God is ultimately in control of all the aspects of our lives, the comings and goings, the end from the beginning. God knows exactly what's going on in our lives and we can love him and we can trust him for who he is. God allows things to come into our life that are difficult. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Romans chapter 5 talks about it. 1 Peter talks about about in this you greatly reduce, even though for now you've had to suffer all kinds of trials and tribulations. In this world you will have trouble. In this world you will have difficulties. In this world you will have challenges in life. And Paul was looking and saying that, you know what? This was given to me in spite of the fact that I had this wonderful, mighty, powerful vision of God, in spite of the fact that I'm not supposed to tell everybody, in spite of the fact that I saw something incredibly awesome, I had this mountaintop experience, if you will. Now what God is doing is God is challenging me on an entirely different level. Will I take that joy and the happiness of knowing that he's in heaven and what I've experienced, and will I now apply that 
to the depths of the difficulties and challenges that I'm going through? Will I still love God who is up there in heaven despite the circumstances of our life? There's a pastor from uh, Modi, a teacher at Modi, Warren Wearsby, and he said this, and I think he's, he's correct. He says, when God permits his children to go through the furnace, he keeps his eye on the clock and his hand on the thermostat. His loving heart knows how much and how long. Maybe you're there this morning. Maybe you're going through some limitation. Maybe you're going through some hardship. Maybe something is really, really hard and difficult in your life. And maybe God has allowed that to come into your life for a reason, for a purpose. You know, I'm not any different than you. How come, Lord? How come this is happening to me? What is going on in my life? God had a way of keeping Paul from the the sin of pride, from the sin of being conceited, from the sin of elevating himself. That was one aspect of it. But you notice also another aspect of this thorn in the flesh is it was, it was a messenger of Satan. What, what does Satan desire to do? The thief comes to kill, to rob, and destroy. The thief comes to destroy our lives. A lot of times he describes himself, uh, uh, takes on the form, if you will, of an angel of light to come into our life to cl- cloud our thinking about who God is and what he's done for us. He comes in and he wants to to take over our lives and to lead us down a path, ultimately, of destruction. And for whatever reason, God allowed this in order to protect him from the greater danger of his own sin, being conceited, boasting about his life. If you go back and look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, what Paul does is Paul essentially begins to give a defense for his life, give a defense for his ministry. Over and over, his boasting is not boasting in himself, it's boasting in what God had ultimately done in his life, boasting in the calling that God had done in his life. And even in the midst of his boasting, even in the midst of all that it had gone in his life, he continues to focus on the fact of his calling. That life was not easy for him. It was very, very difficult. So there was a dimension of the suffering in this idea of, of what's going on in his life, this messenger of Satan. But also there's an added dimension of the suffering. He kind of expands on it. So we don't focus on one thing. Look at verse 10. It says this, insults. When people think of clever ways to put you down or to hurt your life. Maybe you're, maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you're a Christian at your work. And, and there's one or two people that are always digging at you because of your faith and your trust in Christ. They're always kind of putting a little squeeze on you a little bit, poking you. Paul mentions hardships. Maybe you're going through something that's entirely not of yourself. All of a sudden, something has happened to you, maybe by another person, that you could not control the circumstance, but all of a sudden, you are in these painful circumstances, if you will. That's included here. What are persecutions, wounds? or abuse, painful circumstances, acts of prejudice, because you are a Christian. Maybe you didn't get the promotion. Maybe you didn't get the raise. Maybe because of your faith, you are not looked upon in an entirely different way. All of those things are very, very real. Insults, hardships, persecution. And, and notice how he ends verse 10 with difficulties. This idea of this pressure from the outside. There's this pressure on the outside coming and pressing upon you. The circumstances of your life are such a way that, that it's really, really hard to overcome. You feel like there's this giant hand upon you and pushing you down because of all that you're going in your life. 
because of the hardships, because of the limitations, because, you're, because of what you're experiencing right now. Let me ask you something. What is your thorn in the flesh? I gotta believe we all have one. Jesus said, take up your cross, follow me. A cross is something that we bear. Do you have a difficulty? Maybe it's something physical. Maybe something that people can see. Maybe that's a limitation. Maybe you have something internally. Maybe it's a struggle that nobody else knows about. Maybe it's something that you've done in the past. And it weighs on your heart. And it weighs on your mind. And nobody else knows about it. But it's like this giant anchor that you're dragging around with you. I think if we're honest, we all have limitations. We all have difficulties. We all have some kind of thorn that we have to deal with in life. The question is, how do we respond? I think we see the response of Paul in verse 8. Another statement that we would ask maybe of ourselves in verse 8 is this. When we're going through the limitation, when we're going through the difficulties, you know what, I, I wish God would listen to me. I just don't feel like God is listening to me. He's not, he's not hearing me. He's, he, he's kind of like the psalmist. The psalmist, when you go back and when you read some of the psalms, how, how many of them begin, God, where are you? I'm going through some really, really hard time. Where are you? David in Psalm 13 says this, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? David, a man after God's own heart, is dealing with this idea of, God, where, where are you? If only God would listen to me. And so what does Paul do? He doesn't go to Titus. He doesn't go to Timothy. He doesn't, he doesn't go to, to the elders of the church. He doesn't do any of those things. What do he, he simply calls out to the Lord. Three times I pleaded with the Lord. Lord, why, why do I have this thorn? Why do I have this thing going on in my life? I have this physical limitation. I have this, this dimension of my life that's really, really hard and it's difficult. But it's also a spiritual dimension. Why? Because he's fighting the forces of evil. So it's a physical, it's a spiritual, but it's also relational. relational. Where, where, where is God? He's bringing his thoughts. He's bringing his he's, he's bringing them to God. God. God, where are you in the midst of all this? I keep pleading for you. I keep asking you, where are you? And God does answer his prayer. Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers the way that we want him to answer them. Does he? And that's just really hard. When we cry out, we pray to God, and God responds, but maybe he doesn't do it in the way that we think that he should. And a lot of times that's, the way that God operates. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Paul's thorn in the flesh. A, a cynic asked a person who was um, an elderly believer who had endured great um, suffering for about 20 years. And this is what this woman said uh, to the person. She says, what do you think of your God now? To which she replied, I think of him more than ever. I think even more than ever. In other words, hardship, difficulty, and challenge in her life drew this woman to who God was and the proper role that he has in her life. Uh, you will remember this man. Many of you will remember this man, a guy by the name of Mike. And uh, I, I walked, many of us walked through Mike as he went through cancer and, and passed away. This is many, many years ago. Mike, godly man, great guy. 
and we used to meet uh, weekly. There was three or four of us that we used to meet. We'd go to breakfast with him, and we walked through the pain and the suffering of what it meant for him to go through cancer and to watch his body die. And uh, one time he had to go to the, um, to the hospital uh, because he had to have a surgery on his stomach, and they repaired his stomach. And he was in the hospital. The, the, the pain from the surgery was incredibly bad. He said, I wish I never would have done it. He was in the hospital. It was dark. There were no lights on, which is really unusual in a hospital. And his body was racked with pain. He had nothing to eat for days. And in the midst of that moment, he had this thought, this, this thought from God. And, and it went like this. What do you think of me now? In the midst of your lowest point, what do you think of me now? And his conclusion was this. God is still on the throne, and Jesus is still beautiful in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his suffering. And the only way that he could do that is because he knew that the Spirit of God was working in his life in a mighty and powerful way. He knew that he had no place else to go but to look up and to consider the God in heaven. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire but you. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my life and my portion forever. Listen, if you're in the midst of the pain and the suffering. You're in the midst of the what ifs. I would ask you, don't run away from God, even if he says no. Because if he says no, or he responds in a way that you might think that he should, he is going to infuse his life into your heart, into your mind, into your soul. And he still desires to use you in a mighty and a powerful way. That's what we see here in verse 9. See, uh, uh, the last what-if statement is we go through life, we have limitations, we have the hardships, and then we ask the question, well, if only God would use me. If only God would use me. I can't do this, I can't teach, I can't do this. I've been given this limitation, I've been, I've been given this hardship. I, I just, if only God would use me. I think if we're honest, we all feel that way. We all have hardships, we all have limitations. Maybe some of them are visible. Some of you may have those lying deep within your heart because of something that you've done. You can't get over it. Listen to Paul's words in verses 9 and 10. He says this, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. All of those things that I listed, those were his weaknesses, the insults, the persecution, the hardship, the difficulties. Those were his weaknesses. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. What weakness are you going through? What is it that you have in your life? What is the limitation of your life right now? Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Why is he going to do that? So that Christ's power may rest on me. Grace, power, the presence of God, the Spirit of God, the Word of God, all living, working inside of our hearts, inside of our mind, changing us on the inside, transforming us, give us the power that we need in the midst of the difficulties, the midst of the challenge, the midst of life, so that we can glory and honor in who He is and what He's done for us. And if God can do that with John Bunyan, not Paul, 
And if God can do that with Joni, Eric's, and Tata, don't you think that he can do that with your life? That whatever limitation, whatever hardship, whatever you're going through at this particular point in time, don't you think that he can help you? All three times, Jesus established his word to him. My grace is sufficient for you. God used his suffering, his hardship, his limitations to infuse in him what? Power. So that in the midst of his weakness, Jesus would shine brightly through his power, through his presence, through his life, so that God would ultimately be honored and God would be glorified. But let me ask you something. What, what changed for Paul? Throwing the flesh didn't go away, did it? What changed was the way that he understood the role of pain, suffering, weaknesses in his life. That God had a purpose in his life for whatever he was going through at that particular point in time. There's a couple ways that we can do with a limitation of burden or hardship. We can do one or two things. We can get rid of it. We can move on. You know, we can deal with it. Or, or in the midst of the burden, in the midst of the challenge, in the midst of the difficulty, what God can do is God said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make you strong. I'm going to infuse grace in your life. I'm going to infuse power into your life. I'm going to give you my strength so that you can power through it. I'm not going to remove it, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the power to, to work through it. God always, always works through weaknesses. Go back and look at the Bible. How many weak people are in the Bible? All of them are. All of them are weak people. And God uses them. And God can use you and your weakness. I want to I read something to you, and, and I want you to imagine that you received a card. And in the card were these words. And I want you to just listen. I got this from somebody else, so it was good, good enough to use, so here it is. In all the world, there is nobody, there's nobody like you. Since the beginning of time, there has never been another person like you. Nobody has your smile, your eyes, your hands, your hair. Nobody knows your handwriting, your voice. Nobody can paint your brush strokes. Nobody has your taste for food or music or dance or art. Nobody in the universe sees things as you do. In all of time, there has never been anyone who laughs exactly your way at what makes you laugh or cry or think that you may have totally different response in another way. You are different from every other person that has ever lived in the history of the universe. You are the only one in the whole creation that is your particular set of abilities. There is always someone who is better at one thing. Every person is your superior in at least one way, but nobody in the universe can reach the quality of a combination of your talents and your feelings. Throughout all of eternity, no one will ever walk, talk, think, or do exactly like you. You are rare, and in all rarity, there is an enormous value. And because of that value, the need for you to imitate anyone else is absolutely wrong. You happen to be special, and it's no accident that you are. Please realize that God made you for a special purpose. He has a job for you to do that no one else in the world can do. Out of billions of applicants, only one is qualified. Only one has the unique and right combination of what it takes, and that one is you. And that comes from Psalm 139. You are uniquely made. 
And God, because of who he is, what he's done, can use you in a mighty and powerful way. And he wants to display his glory and honor through you and only you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Let's not ask the what if questions. It's natural for us to do that, but let's not ask those questions. Let's look to the creator God and what he would do. Real briefly, how did grace make a difference in Paul's life? Three real quick principles. How did God's grace make a difference in his life? Number one, grace could meet Paul's need because it expresses God's acceptance and pleasure in us. We enjoy status and favor with God because we've been adopted into his family. We are part of the family of God. And God loves us in such a mighty and powerful way that he wants to continue to infuse his grace upon us. And so no matter what you are going through, no matter what you're facing right now, we stand in God's grace. Romans chapter 5 verse 2 says this, Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We stand in grace. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Why? Because of who God and what he's done. God could meet Paul's need because it expresses God's acceptance and pleasure in us as his children. Second thing is this. God could meet Paul's need because it was available at all times. We've seen that over and over. God's grace is available at all times. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 talks about all times, all things. All. You know what all means? Yeah. Exactly what it means. There is nothing that you are going through, experiencing right now, that cannot be touched by the hand of God. If you will look to him and trust him for where you are going at. Marriages, relationships, God can restore us. The last thing we see about God's grace is this. Grace could meet Paul's need because it was the very strength of God. The very strength of God. When we are weak, what he is strong. As I submit myself to God, as I come to him, as I lay my life before him, as I look at God's word, I respond to God's word, as I respond to people around me, God uses all of those elements, if you will, to build us up. And through the spirit of God gives us that grace that we can stand because he loves us, cares for us. The power of the resurrection is available in us, Ephesians talks about. The power of the resurrection is available to us in our lives through Jesus and what he's done. So let me ask you, how do you view your hardship, your limitation, your weakness? Do you have this idea that maybe God can use whatever you're going through at this time for his honor, for his glory, to infuse his his power in your life? Father, thank you for your word. Father, your grace is sufficient for us. The power is perfected in weakness. And Father, I thank you. Father, this text reminds that Paul actually boasted in his weaknesses because he knew that when he was weak, he was actually strong because of who Jesus is. And Father, I pray that we would be weak as we lift our eyes to Jesus, as we lift our eyes to the creator God who loves us, as, as we seek your face, Father, that you would continue to walk with us, encourage us, build us up through the Spirit of God who lives inside of us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.